Check, check, check. All right, you ready? Yes. <laughs> All right, in three, two, and one. Greetings, Seamheads, far and wide. Welcome into another edition of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14. I am your host today, Casey Light. It is Monday, April 9th, and we have put a cap on the third Rockies series of the season, the first home series of the season. Rockies, through 10 games, sit at 5-5 five and five after losing a three-game weekend series with the Atlanta Braves, and I am joined Today by Ronnie K. Ronnie K. Radio on Twitter. Yes, that is me. Ronnie, you were there for the entire series. Uh, even caught a little bit of that uh, freezing cold opening day oh, yeah. game. Um, you were not there. You were here in the uh, friendly confines of Mile High Sports uh, offices and radio studios, uh, staying warm. You did not have to suffer through that 27 degree first pitch. Why? Did, first of all, why did they even play the game? <laughs> why did they play the game? Look, and and I was going back and forth with a few people on on Twitter about this myself because I, I'm I'm fully with you now. Look, I have attended the what is now official the third coldest game in Rockies oh. history. That was a game against the Mets. The two coldest games in Rockies history came uh, have come against the Braves with Friday's opener being the second coldest at 27 degrees. Look, the reality in baseball is you play the games when you can as long as the conditions are safe. Uh, and cold does not necessarily mean unsafe. Um, I'll talk about that in just a moment sure. in, in some maybe what I would call unwise decisions that were made. Um, not necessarily unsafe per se. Um, but at the end of the day, if the field is dry and there is no lightning in the air, you can expect baseball to be played okay. regardless right. of the cold temperatures uh, or even hot temperatures as we've seen in certain instances but yes uh, at 27 degrees it was a very frigid opening day although uh, the last couple of games were not particularly warm either you were there for both of those uh, before we dive into those just want to give a quick uh, thank you to our good friends at tap 14 it was an awesome weekend out at tap 14 1920 blake street just a half block from coors field uh, big thanks to those folks for putting out uh, a really just a, a fantastic experience for fans in the that cold weather uh, still made it a great time, even up there on the rooftop patio where fans were enjoying a little final taste of winter uh, as they were kicking off the spring and summer with the Colorado Rockies on opening day. So a big thank you to our friends at Tap 14. Find them online at Tap 14 or follow them on Twitter at Tap 14. Ronnie, you were there for all three of these games. Uh, obviously a disappointing result for the Rockies in that they dropped the series two games to one. Uh, the the opener was really kind of the, the ugliest of all of the performances. Uh, Herman Marquez was touched for uh, a lot of runs in the first inning of that game. Uh, really came out very shaky. And that's what I wanted to talk about briefly yeah. when you talk about the cold is uh, I posted this on Twitter before the game, uh, but it was 88 degrees at game time in San Felix, Venezuela. Oh, yes. Herman Marquez's hometown. It was 27 degrees in Colorado, in Denver, where he was starting pitching for the Colorado Rockies at the home opener, and yet he marched out there... With short sleeves. With short sleeves. He yes. was not wearing his thermals. He was not wearing his long sleeves. Uh, and it and it kind of appeared that... that uh, look, I don't want to say that he wasn't warm. I don't want to say that he wasn't loose. I don't want to say that he wasn't ready, necessarily. Um, but when you get touched for that many runs that early in the game... I. I I'm, I was scratching my head going, how on earth is Marquez out there in short sleeves? It's l below freezing. Yeah, and, and let's remember, it was the first inning that really bothered him. Uh, he ended up getting touched for seven runs total, but uh, certainly a real big issue in the first inning uh, where it was 4 nothing 
right off the bat. And then he started to kind of settle in, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe it is because he is kind of warmed up. I don't know why they played the game in the first place. Uh, I would have pushed it to a doubleheader. You had plenty of time uh, to, to run that. There's no big issue. You're avoiding a potential injury. I get it. It's opening day. It's the mystique about making sure that all these events run through and everything like that. But even for fan comfort, I mean, the stadium was what? Half full? Yeah. If and, even that? And that I think was the, the disappointing piece was it was an afternoon game. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to the logistics that go into putting sure. together an opening day and trying to recreate that a second day over becomes very difficult. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the, the weather was very nice on Saturday on Saturday afternoon. It was gorgeous. It was a beautiful day. You get the benefit if you're playing a doubleheader of calling up another guy, which would have been nice because you have one extra guy who's able sure. to come up for opening day. Um, I, I, I personally, I think it would have been nice to do that uh, you get the benefit of all those people that you let into the ballpark initially even though you have to send them home they're all coming back those are the diehards they're all going to come back they're going to spend that money they're going to buy more rocky dogs the very next day the Lodo bars i can guarantee you would have absolutely loved it because then they would get not only the friday freezing opening day crowd that still came out but then also the people who said hey you know what the weather actually is good uh let's go out on saturday and oh it's because it's also a saturday all the more reason to go out and party and have fun um i, I think it would have been a great thing for Denver a great thing for the quality of play because as we saw that game was not particularly well played for for either side really um but again hindsight is 2020 we, sure. we can't worry too much about that uh Braves put up eight runs in that game that was their high for the series they put two up on Saturday night at a game you attended but tell me your impressions Wade Davis is is off to a good start four for four in his first four saves um maybe being pressed a little bit more into heavy duty than we would have liked to have seen necessarily um wade davis has pitched in every single one of the rockies wins this year they're five and five obviously that's not sustainable we're not going to see you know if the rockies are going to win 90 games like everyone's hoping we're not going to see wade davis make 90 appearances um but but tell me what you saw in person from wade davis and then i'll tell you a little bit of what i saw uh, on on the, you know from the view from outside yeah well speaking of wade davis before the game in the clubhouse he certainly he's ready to go there's no intimidation in pitching eight cores he is uh quite locked in he is a man of very few words he, yes. he does not speak a lot uh, when when he came in in the ninth uh it was it was interesting because when Albies got on to first and Albies is 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 quite the uh the speed demon per se uh, Ozzie Albies, the, the fine young 21 uh, year old for the Braves who also had a homer in that final game he, that was a it, it bothered Wade Davis greatly. Uh, he was throwing over multiple times. He looked like he was in major discomfort. Mm. It almost looked like he was he was hurt. Like, that's how much kind of, like, b- bothersome he looked. And and obviously, we know that he wasn't at the time, but he was very bothered by that base runner, as he should be, a speed guy on first. But he just, he wasn't, he wasn't making the pitches that he needed to make because of that. And... When finally, you know, and it's kind of weird because it was almost a, a pro to a con, the Braves got more runners on, but he didn't have to worry about the base runners anymore. And then he started to deliver better pitches to the plate. So I, I wouldn't be worried about Wade Davis per se. Look, you know, he's not going to go 50 for 50 at saves this year. You of know, it's just the way it is. Um, but limiting these and making sure you win these tight games, I think is extremely crucial for the Rockies because this is how the team's going to be built is that the starting pitcher, you hopefully get six innings. 
anything more than that is a bonus, and then you turn it over to this bullpen, and this is why you paid them $100 million, is to make sure you get these one, two, three innings in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. So you're going to have trip-ups so long as they're extremely limited. I, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Well, here. in that win on Saturday night, the walk-off walk uh, by Jar. Tony Walters. Uh, yeah, the rest of the bullpen really did do their job uh, quite well. Brian Shaw was solid in that one. Uh, Jake McGee, and then obviously Adam Ottavino came around and, and ended up getting the win. Uh, you have a piece upcoming on MileHighSports.com that'll be published here in the next day or two about Adam Ottavino and the return of his slider, the return of his confidence. So we're really looking forward to that one. Uh, but the, the bullpen really did its job um, outside of of Wade Davis in that game. What I saw with Wade Davis, not only in that game, but I, it, it dates all the way back to Thursday's game against San Diego. He gave up the solo shot against San Diego. Saturday's game was his fifth appearance in eight days for the Rockies. Even though his pitch count was relatively low because he had had success in his first few outings, he gave up the home run against San Diego, had the blown save against the Braves, giving up the game-tying run in what ultimately became a win for the Rockies. Uh, but it was it was definitely, to me, it was a guy who who maybe has been pushed just a little bit more than, than necessary or anticipated early on. Yeah, and look, it's because of the lack of length that the starters have given them that they've had to use the bullpen probably a little bit more than buddy wants to 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 admit to uh so certainly that's going to be something that we're going to watch as the season progresses i i think you're starting to see starting pitchers begin to put up a little bit better performances you know we saw a good performance out of john gray i, I thought kyle freeland was actually fairly good yesterday outside of maybe two missed pitches for some solo home runs he was very good. Chad Bettis was actually fairly good on, I believe it was the Saturday game. Yep. Uh, and going back to that Saturday game, too, I loved watching the game more particularly because it was dominated by great defensive plays, too. Uh, and a lot of that bullpen was getting a lot of help from the Tony Walters uh, yes, spin slide throw. And I know it, you know, it ended up being out. I, I think he probably was safe after replay, <laughs> but you know, I'm just another talking head. Para's play out in uh, in left as well, too, was just Trevor a Story had a, had a had really Big solid leaping catch, line drive leap, potentially to, the game saving catch. Yep, absolutely. You yeah, know? no defense was great. Uh, you know, we, we look at that, and, and the Rockies are are already where we expect them to be. Uh, they're in second in the National League in fielding, uh, made just three errors so far on the young season. Uh, that is tied for second fewest. Only Arizona has fewer. Uh, with two errors in nine games played, but yeah, the Rockies uh, are, are playing as expected defensively, which is which is great to see because defense helped when that team went to the 2007 World Series. It was the best fielding team at the time in Major League Baseball history, um, as, in, as far as fielding percentage goes. And so, you like to see the Rockies continue on that quality fielding because I mean, with multiple Gold Glovers across the field, uh, you like to see them them do that. Where the Rockies struggled throughout this entire weekend series was offensively, uh, plating just a total of six runs, the three runs in the opener on Friday, three in the win on Saturday, and then getting blanked by Sean Newcomb and the Braves' bullpen on Sunday. A very quirky Rockies lineup on Sunday that did not feature Charlie Blackman in the starting lineup, did not have Carlos Gonzalez in the starting lineup, had Chris Iannetta, of all people, batting second. Uh, takeaways from yesterday's game, you mentioned Kyle Freeland had a solid outing minus a couple of, of you know, maybe one or two bad pitches that resulted in some home runs, but offensively, uh, the Rockies could not really get a lot going there at Coors Field in their first home series. Uh, Sean Newcomb was fabulous. 
I, I think that game was more about Sean Newcomb being at another level as a pitcher as opposed to the Rockies just struggling and going up and swinging and missing. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't hit anything they saw. I mean, we saw the three singles in the first inning and we're thinking to ourselves, oh man, this is going to be quite the game for the Rockies. And then I think it was what, 16, 17 straight 16 in down? a row after that, including, including the final out of the first inning, then 16 consecutive. Yeah, and, and Newcomb is that strikeout pitcher and he got a lot of them swinging and that that's going to be a weakness for the Rockies. I don't think this is going to be any different from last year. You're going to see Trevor Story strike out a lot. You're going to see Ian Desmond strike out a lot. You hope they limit him. But uh, early returns kind of look exactly like last year. Yeah, Rockies are just two strikeouts off the pace in the National League for most strikeouts. Uh, It's early, so there's a lot of bunching. But Milwaukee sitting in first with 95 strikeouts on the season. San Diego Padres come in at second, and then the Rockies and Cubs are tied for third with 93 strikeouts apiece. So obviously everyone bunched up there. Uh, You know, the thing that I, I will say that was... A positive for me about the Rockies was the fact that, yes, they gave up the eight runs to Atlanta in that first game. Um, You know, half of those coming in that shaky first inning for Marquez, um, but really kind of limited what is the number one scoring team in the National League after that. Um, But it was the offense that sort of scared me a little bit because... Yes, Sean Newcomb was was really really great, but this is not a it's not a Braves team that you think of is going to come in and dominate from a pitching standpoint. Um, and for the Rockies, who had been hitting relatively well up to that point, um, you know, coming out of Arizona, you know, where they scored the eight runs, they scored seven against San Diego. You know, you wanted to see the Rockies' bats start to kind of get into gear a little bit, and and that has not happened with those six runs uh, and then getting blanked again on Sunday. So. Uh, is this a matter of the the lineup is is still kind of in flux or it, guys are just still slow out of the gates what's what's your read on on why the offense hasn't produced well yet? and certainly the lineup is going to need to be adjusted a little bit uh, story desmond back to back I am not huge a fan, uh, not a huge fan of. Uh, obviously, yesterday there were guys who were getting days off. Carlos Gonzalez had the veterans day off uh, and, and so there it, Yesterday was tough because DJ LeMayu batting leadoff. Chris Iannetta second is like, that's not really your full-time guys. So, But more importantly to me, it's, you know, a strikeout in an at-bat to me is not the worst thing in the world so long as you run that pitch count up on that at-bat. It's the three, four, five pitch at-bats where you're just swinging at nonsense that bothers me greatly. And I saw that multiple times out of Carlos Gonzalez over the weekend in the first two games. And that was something that kind of peaked up and glaring. We saw it the same with Ian Desmond, too. It's is this is this new, though? This is not. This is this is who these guys are. And for as much excitement and, and boom that we could be getting out of them, you are also going to see strikeouts. So you are going to live with the evil to deal with the pros and. That, that's the reality, but I think there is a little bit of lineup adjustment that could be done. It's The story Desmond back-to-back is, is really brutal, particularly with how they're hitting right now. Yeah, you. I, I think it would be nice if you could slide Gerardo Parra in between the two of them. Um, a, because you get the you know the right-left-right um, mixture there. Uh, however, it becomes a little bit difficult in that situation uh, because now you, you like having Parra a little bit further down the lineup because of the speed element that he brings. He, he almost becomes like a, a secondary leadoff hitter 
uh, further down in the lineup when there was talk about Charlie Blackman potentially batting third this year. Um, Parra was a name that we had thrown out several times as a guy who could potentially take that leadoff spot and be effective there. So I'm with you, though. I I would like to see a little bit of a shuffle because Desmond, although he can be a contact hitter with that change to his swing this year, trying to become a little bit more of a pull power type of a hitter instead of uh, driving the ball into the ground as he was doing so frequently last year, uh, might might see an increase in those strikeout totals. Uh, For me, I'm not... I'm not concerned in the long term of this uh, in terms of the offense coming around and putting things together. What I don't want to see happen, though, is the Rockies fall into too big of a hole early on or, or just you know not really get out to a hot, fast start like we know that they're capable of doing, which is as good a segue as any to start talking about this upcoming series. Uh, Reminded folks that this is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap14. I am Casey Light. You can follow me on Twitter at Light on His Feet. I am joined by Ronnie K. You can follow him at Ronnie K Radio. The upcoming series with the San Diego Padres beginning here on Monday. To me, what is so interesting about the San Diego Padres this year and the Rockies as they relate is that the Rockies will play 10 of their first 26 games against the San Diego Padres, uh, essentially half of their total season series with the Padres here within the first month of the season. Uh, the Padres are not expected to be a good team this year. They are two and eight overall. Uh, Rockies so far are three and one, had a very solid series, went uh, three and one in that series in San Diego. Uh, but the Rockies, if you look past this San Diego series, travel to Washington for four games to face a Nationals team that everyone expects to be one of the best teams in the National League. Uh, obviously, we see Atlanta is is making a push that they're going to be a, potentially a factor. Uh, yes, it's only 10 games in, but Atlanta could potentially be a factor there in the East. The Mets are off to an incredibly hot start behind their pitchers. Um, you don't want to see the Rockies stumble against a Padres team and then have to try and carry that negative momentum into a four-game series against a very good Washington Nationals team. Let's face it. The Rockies are a better team than the Padres. They have uh, more we, talent. Without a doubt. Hands down. Outside of Clayton Richard, who will start tonight against John Gray, that's really it as far as a 50-50 when it comes to pitchers. Uh, you'll get Anderson and Marquez, who are are, are far better as far as uh, talent-wise. And so they should be effective. You want to see the at-bats come to life, push those pitch counts up, you know, and, and, and you're at home. Against a divisional opponent. These are the games that the good teams win. I'm not worried about if the Rockies are 500, skirting around 500 for May, even into June, because baseball is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But you don't want to see them drop divisional games at home to what many believe is the seller team in the NL West and the Padres. So this is a series they should win. It'll be a great chance for John Gray to build back up on his most recent great start. Uh, of course, he's on the mound. And and talking with him over the weekend, I mean, he was very frustrated with the Diamondbacks game. Uh, mm-hmm. He was he was uh, almost he he said he was pissed at himself. Uh, <laughs> and he came out and and certainly played very very well against the Padres uh, most recently. But it, now it's time to build on that and and continue to, um, re, you know, I know everybody wants to use that word ace. You know, I, I think it's a little premature still, but he is expected to be that guy to to lead the rotation and win games like this to build upon it. Because like you said, that seven game road trip, by the way, they're going to run into Scherzer and Strasburg as well against the Nationals. So 
these are the games you got to get. Yeah, John Gray did pick up his first win in San Diego in what will be a, a rematch uh, this first game of the series with, as you mentioned, Clayton Richard. Uh, Gray was really f- quite outstanding in that game. Seven innings pitched, just four hits, no earned runs, struck out seven, and the real key there, zero walks. So yeah. uh, John Gray continues to have success against the San Diego Padres. That's a team that he's dominated. Um, you mentioned Clayton Richard in a positive light. I'm going to throw some uh, some negative stats about Clayton Richard out there for sure. uh, for Rockies fans to be optimistic about. Uh, Clayton Richard in his career at Coors Field is just one and five with an eight. 82 ERA. Uh, last year was 0-2 with a 13-03 ERA in two starts. Uh, logged just 9.2 innings pitched. So John Gray, who has been better at Coors Field of late uh, than he was early in his career, feels very confident about pitching at Coors Field. You have to like the matchup heading into Monday, uh, into tonight's game. Uh, really heavily favoring the Rockies. And then heading into Tuesday, we have yet another rematch from that San Diego series. You have Tyler Anderson, who was really sterling and and, and very, very good in in that uh, same scenario with Tyler Anderson, where um, he did not, if if memory serves, did not allow an earned run in his outing against San Diego. Uh, He was matched nearly pitch for pitch by... Joey Lucchesi, uh, who, you know, if, if you saw him walking down the street, you might not know. Uh, but uh, young guy who who really pitched very well. So be excited to see how that uh, matchup plays out in round two. And then on Wednesday, the finale, uh, you will have uh, Herman Marquez and Perdomo going head to head with one another. Uh, Rockies did not face Perdomo the last time around, but he's had a really rocky start to his year. So, uh, you know, the matchups all favor the Rockies without question. You'd like to see them go out, earn a series sweep here a- against the Padres and take some of that momentum there into Washington, uh, where they will have a very, very tough matchup with those Nationals. Uh, and then Rockies head out on a road trip after, uh, well, they stay on the road, I should say, after that with Pittsburgh for three, uh, then come home for a three-game set with the Cubs, and then we'll uh, face the Padres again after that. So 10 games out of their first 26 against the Padres. The Rockies last year, one of the reasons why they were able to claim that National League wildcard berth in the second spot was because of how strong they were in April and May. The Rockies were one of the best teams in baseball through the first two months of the season, jumped out to a very, very hot start. The schedule gives them the opportunity to do that with San Diego on the docket in those 10 games, how, what's, what does Colorado's record need to be against the Padres in those 10 games against San Diego here in the first month? In those plus? 10 games, well, they're 3-1 and one so far. Correct. Uh, if they are 7-3, and three, I'm, I'm happy with that because that means you won at least two of the series, if not all three, depending on how you split those games. Again, Baseball is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You need you don't need to be 10 games over 500 immediately right away. I mean, we saw the Rockies jump out to, what, 20 games over 500 by, I think it was June 20th. That was yep. the, the big date that was pushed. And then the Rockies kind of fell off a little bit. They cooled down. So just staying consistent all year long is, is the key. Staying healthy, obviously. I know the Rockies are a team that does have a lot of depth, but injuries are crucial. And it's it's just staying in the hunt. Just so that you're not falling off the the map, so that the the avalanche of 
pressure starts to affect you or anything like that. Just stay in the hunt. Beat the teams you should. And this is a team that they should beat. Well, and you talk about that avalanche of pressure, and I think that's maybe what we're seeing more early out of the gate from this Rockies team than anything else is they understand they are under pressure this year. They understand that this is a year filled with expectations, and maybe they've been playing with that on their shoulders a little bit. Certainly it felt like that was the case with that opening series in Arizona. They had a nice bounce back with the Padres uh, in their second series. Let's hope that their second home series, also against the Padres, can be a bounce back because... Again, with from my money, with with the Rockies having ten of their first twenty six against the Padres, I think eight and two, given how bad we've seen this Padres team play early on, is not an unrealistic expectation. Oh, absolutely not. Especially with six of those ten games being at home, and the fact that you went three and one in the road series to start that. So, uh, you know, the, the Rockies won't have a ton of rest. That's the one thing that I think is a little bit uh, nerve wracking about this is the Rockies have just the one uh, day off in April, April nineteenth. So, a lot of long innings going to be logged. Uh, here in this early part of the season for these players. But I think that can also help because they're fresh still at this point, and it's an opportunity to help get them in a groove and get some of these guys locked in as they head into the second month of the season. Well, it just seems like talking with every single player, it's like, when can we play more? Like, that's that's the mentality inside the clubhouse right now is that, oh, when can I go back out there? I mean, you, you talk to a certain individuals and who have not seen time, and they're just itching to get back out on the field, which is great. And yes, you should be fresh. You've only played 10 games. So, you know, and particularly, too, this is a young roster as well, too, as far as, you know, especially particularly that starting pitching, that you're not worried about workload right now. You obviously don't want to push anything or go drastic in any certain games, but it's just staying consistent. Consistency is everything. And it if you play consistent, play the way they, the level at least that they can play at, they should at least sweep the Padres in one of these series. I mean, these are these are gimme series. You you would like to see that the the, the one workload I would like to see the Rockies cut down a little bit is on that bullpen. Sure. Um, like I mentioned, the Rockies have five wins. Wade Davis has appeared in all five of those. You'd like to see them go out and 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 put up a laugher or two. You know where they win by six or seven runs, and, and you can let Antonio Sensatella go out there and air mm-hmm. it out for a couple of innings, uh, and just you know and, and get some some innings logged for him because those are important at some. point. They're probably going to ask him to start a few games here uh, this season. So you want to see him stretch that arm out a little bit. Uh, You know, you'd like to see Chris Russin get two or three innings to get himself back on track and not have to rely on Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, Adam Ottavino and Wade Davis quite so heavily. But, you know, if you're Bud Black, you're going to take you're going to put your team in a position to win as as often as as possible. I just I just would love to see this offense break out here against San Diego and, and give some relief to the one area in this on this roster that is a little bit older and that is the back end of the bullpen well and second time around we did see some better starts again you know it's 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 all about that starting pitching and this was the key going into the year for me is that the starting pitching needed to go at least six that that's the key and it seems like that's the biggest hurdle right now they hit that fifth inning or that third time around in the order and it's like oh you know it kind of gets into murky waters and then you're bringing in a reliever to finish off the inning and then you're trying to do the Shaw McGee Wade Davis type thing and it would be nice to see them every once in a while just blow a team out. Yeah. Blow a Padres team out to where it's 11 nothing. Fans are shutting the game off for all the right reasons at the fifth inning. You know Those are nice to see because then it, it allows you to utilize the guys who, I, I mean, have we seen Senzatella twice? 
this year? Yes. He's, he's come he's out. Pitched he, he's pitched in twice. He's you know. pitched a few games, but uh, he has not had the the types of outings that you want to see. Like I said, where he's he's coming in with a six or seven run. He's cushion. cleanup guy. You, yeah, yeah. You'd, love, you'd love to see that. Yeah, in, in each of the Rockies victories so far, uh, one run victory, three run, three run victory, three run victory, two run victory, one run victory, um, have not yet run away with a game, and that's what we want to see them go out there and accomplish. Uh, Ronnie, we will both be at uh, Rockies tonight, so looking forward to that. We're going to be talking to uh, a lot of the players. Uh, might even have some content for you guys here on the upcoming podcast, uh, which is scheduled for Thursday, where we will wrap up that Padres series. We'll see how accurate Ronnie and I were uh, in our assessment of what the Rockies need to do and can do. That will be on Thursday. Thursday as the Rockies will head out to Washington that day uh, and open up that very, very important and all eyes on it four game series with the Nationals to wrap up this week. This has been the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are headed out to the ballpark, for this three-game series, we encourage you to stop by 1920 Blake Street, try the 70 Colorado beers on tap, and the 100 Colorado distilled spirits, that American Alpine Fair that is second to none. Do it all from the terrific rooftop patio that they have there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. This has been the Blake Street Irregulars.